to the Cinefunks Podcast Collective. Recording. Yeah, we're recording. Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lore. I'm Leo O'Donnell. And you are listening to part one of the horror business when animals go wild. Is this like a how many of these are we doing? At the most four. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. Whatever, we're doing at least three, and we got some good movies. We got Piranha and Orca. Uh, if we're doing a series like that, we should have made promotional material. We should have ripped off what the final girls are doing right now. They've had so many. Oh, their blood in the water. Yeah, memes and pictures, and yeah, we're, we're we're not really killing it on this. The you just tell the social media team and the graphic people, and you say, "Hey, this is what we're doing." Get on. And it. They do all that. No, that get you on. You need it. to do. I can't do ever. I'm going to do it right after this. Cinepugs can't be a one man operation. Uh, it's a multi man operation. I'm going to do it. We'll do it. <laughs> anyway. As you might have guessed, we'll be doing a series of episodes about when animals have grown weary and tired of the bullshit that man subjects them to, and they rise up in a holy fury, or unholy, to strike us down back to where we belong. In this episode, we have 1980, 1980s alligator. Right, literally 1980. 1980s alligator. And then we have 1984. 84. I, I should have written that down. Uh, 1984's, I did, November 2nd, 1984's, Razorback. It's a movie about right, a... back. It's a Razorback. It's a pig. He just goes wild. Razorback. He's in the outback. He's a wild pig. He's a wild pig. He's a Razorback. A Razorback took your baby. Which is kind of funny, because that's what that novel was apparently inspired by, was the dingo took your baby, except... Um, in this case, I would believe that, you know, if this, if this guy said a Razorback took my baby... I'm on board because, well, we'll talk about it. But before we get to that, let's take a second to acknowledge our wonderful sponsor, Chris Reject and the delightful band of misfits over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. The finest screen printing available in Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton, and the surrounding areas. Lehigh, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations would be more than happy to help you out with your printing needs. What do you need printed? Whatever you need to be printed. We're going to print it. Buttons, shirts, cozies, underwear. Cozies? Koozies. I think it's koozies. Koozies, koozies. It sounds like a bad word. What do you say koozie? It Don't sounds you like a sound s- like you're like uh, Andrew Dice Clay? Like you're up there like, oh yeah, koozie. Hey. So uh, I was driving down the street and a koozie. Yeah. Bada um, bing, bada boom, something sexist. Something really racist too. <laughs> uh, no, uh, if you need anything printed. Yeah. You should go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Yeah. Um, www.xlvacx.com. Um, Liam and I can testima- te- testify firsthand under oath if necessary. We can also testament. We can we can testament. <sighs> Liam and I witnessed Chris Reject and his crew's unparalleled professionalism when we yeah. were there last week. They were yeah. dealing with clients, 
yeah. uh, one of the artists was one of the artists that Chris keeps on staff was doing a design based on a picture, a very bad picture one of these clients had sent to him. So these guys, they don't mess around. If they, if, if you say you need a design and you're just like, yeah, I got this idea. It's from a shirt I got. And you send like a crappy picture of a shirt you're wearing, which this guy did, they'll extrapolate that and make a screen from that from you. So these guys don't mess around. They're the real deal. Yep. So you should go check them out. www.xlvacx.com. I cannot stress enough that Chris Reject is not and never was straight edge. Uh, yeah, wherever you're at, they can ship to you. They will work with you. They're great. Okay. Yeah, at least go check them out. Let's also go ahead and, and plug, because I think it's worth mentioning, um, all the new shows over at uh, Cinepunks.com. The Cinepunks Collective. It's growing daily. Yes. Uh, there's uh, Got Me a Movie with uh, Andrew and Elby. Mm-hmm. And then Burger we've Tron. got yeah, Bur- Burger, Burger, Burger Tron. <laughs> then we've got the old. Uh, Mandate with uh, John Wren. Mm-hmm. Noted Edgeman. Noted Edgeman. Uh, we've got the Black Sun Dispatches with mm-hmm. Brendan Foley. Future guest Brendan Foley. Future guest for fucking. Mm-hmm. I said it. Fucking. Yes. Sure. We're not messing around. Yeah. Well, no. Why would we mess? Why would we mess around? And I think I think we're going live this week. Well, this might be premature, but not that many people listen to this podcast, so it's okay. Uh, the Civil Society podcast. Yes. yes. Um, this is. Uh, Roundtable discussion for people, not all on the same page, vaguely on the same page, but not on the same page. And they they go at the topics of the day. Um, they're coming on board with like a full twenty episodes already ready. They're to go. ready. They're they're coming out of the gate swinging. Yeah. So uh, go to go to cinepunks.com. Check Loud that Fast out. Philly as well. Oh, and Loud Fast Philly. Oh my God, we're yeah. so big now. And I gotta say, all those podcasts. That's great. But we also have this writing section and great people writing for us. Billy Ray Bruton. Uh, uh, Nick Spachek, uh, uh, Adriana. Mm-hmm. What is Adriana's last name again? Gobert? Yes. Um, LB from Got Me Movie also writes for us. She's a great writer. Um, a number of people. I'm probably forgetting people right now, and I feel like an asshole. Rob Scavarla. Mm-hmm. Um, just great folks, uh, really putting in the work. Um, and other people who are slowly getting there, you know. They're getting um, there. Yeah. Uh, f- Max Davis, Destiny Washington, a few people are working on things that hopefully will get them up soon. Um, all that to say, I'm rambling, but all that to say, cinepunks.com for all of your cultural needs. Yes. Um, before we go any further, we're going to try to jump into this episode as soon as we can. Um, Liam, have you done anything horror-related recently? No, I actually have not. Um, I'm the worst horror host of all time, um, really, I made up the fact that you were with me at VHS Fest. I imagine that. Oh, you were you were right. That's so good. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot about that. I guess it's because I was uh, um, just tired. But uh, yeah, and also, I, I, I when when you ask me that question, I tend to think of things that I did without you, and yes. not things that we did like crew. That As was a crew. That was a crew trip. We rolled up. Yeah, it would have been a full Cinepunks crew trip, but everyone else is posers. Yeah, we we stand hard. We rolled thick. And we fucking represented. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Mahoney Drive-In, great place. Check them out on the interwebs. Um, they hosted this event in conjunction with Lunch Meet VHS uh, called VHS Fest. It was that, is that what it's called? VHS, VHS Fest? Fest, yeah. And it was two nights of VHS, not just on VHS, like they screened them from VHS at the drive-in, but shot on VHS films. Yes. Um, I think the only exception to that would be Faces of Death. 
which yeah. I think is a mix of a variety of mediums. Yeah, that's like a, a supercut, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but a lot of the movies were sh- also shot on VHS. But then I think it's also cool they screen them for VHS. So Mahoney Driving, as you know, is a big supporter of film, but they've also added... Uh, some digital projectors just so they can do some of these weird things that they've been able to do recently, um, things that aren't available on film that they still want to be a venue for. So this VHS Fest was cool. There are also vendors there selling stuff. Uh, Pizza Party Printing was there, um, who, by the way, should give us free shit because they just should. I have so many other shirts. I I had to check to see if I was wearing one of them right yeah. now. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was a cool event. We So you stayed for two movies. No, I barely made it through. Yeah, I've, okay. So we watched, there were, there were four movies that night. Here's the thing, I'm a dad now. I made it through one movie and I was like, yo, I got to get up so early in the morning to be yeah. with the baby. So I, I jitted after one. Well, I watched 20 minutes of another movie and then I left. Slime City was not a good movie, but had charm. The first movie that night was Slime City. So I've actually heard uh, of the movies playing that weekend. I had heard of Slime City before. Some of the other movies that played the first night I had heard of before. Um, the thing about Slime City is the acting's not great, and it is very obviously shot on VHS. But the some of the practical effects in that movie are better than practical effects in real movies. Yes, in like and, Hollywood and, films. And, and like I've said countless times i will take a bad movie made earnestly over a bad movie made ironically any day of the week yeah 100 percent. but that being said i have a threshold for what i consider a bad movie the next movie that night was the abomination which i can say was one of the worst movies i've ever watched it looked like it might also have some interesting practical effects but uh a i don't like overuse of flashbacks and this yes. movie not only did it use flashbacks, it used the same cuts of flashbacks over. It, it felt like they were. It felt like they only had an, less than an hour of footage. They did, and they had yeah. to pad it out with lots of showing the same cuts again and again. And it had excessive voiceover. Like th- this voiceover would have made Blade Runner blush. It yes. was out of control voiceover. Most of the movie, and mine. You, you stayed for what twenty minutes? Yeah, I stayed for maybe thirty-five minutes. I just couldn't, without you, I was nothing. I just couldn't take it anymore. It was just too much. Um, I just had to get the fuck out of Dodge. I mean, no wrong. I am 100% for going to an event and staying for as much as you can, even if it gets bad. Yeah. Just like, all right, I'm here. Let's experience this. And sure, it might not be great, but it's worth it. Like, I I don't want to encourage people to ditch out on something. But I think uh, for both of us, you know, it's just, it's a late night. It's getting later. And this was just, Bad. But this was, again, you don't go to VHS Fest because you're expecting to see Stanley Kubrick films. No, but um, I was expecting at least maybe like early Sam Raimi films. Sure. Or um, I, I don't know, like Bruno Mattei level films. Sure. The uh, the Abomination made Bruno Mattei look like like one of the Coen brothers. Like it, it was. <laughs> I I honestly cannot stress how bad this movie was. I think. Let me put it this way. I think. The abomination could work. Uh, it's an earlier in like like let, let's say you're at a bad movie marathon at Philomoca. You have the option to come and go, and you have some place nearby you can go to to get out of the room for a little bit. Yeah, and it's like not 
already approaching midnight. You know what I mean? Like it's like earlier in the evening. Like I could maybe sit through that and be like, okay, well that was kind of bad, but you know, funny. Like yeah. where a group of people were laughing. Just like late at night at the drive-in when I had to be up with the baby, it wasn't going to work. No, no, not at all. Have you seen any other horror stuff? That, I think that's the only horror thing I've done lately. I went to a screening of Chuck Russell's 1988 version of The Blob at the Frank oh, Bagoel house. right. How was that? It was awesome. Uh, huge shout out to Lawrence Milano for presenting that movie. Um, I love the 88 version of the blob. I'll go to bat and say it's better than the original by a lot. Um, and just watching it, it's just one of those movies that like, uh, you just see it and it's like, it's everything about it. Just, it hits all the perfect beats. It's just, sure. it's, it's a, it's a near flawless movie. Sure. Um, Bill Mosley's in it. You can't go wrong there. Uh, uh we are big fans of Bill Mosley. It's, yeah. it's just, uh, it was, just, and at one point the projector like broke down. So, uh, you know, there's a whole like theater movie scene with the blob and it was just fun. It was just cool seeing it. Um, I love Frank Banco, uh, theaters, how they're, they're, they're doing these like first Saturday, uh, horror movies. And, uh, in October, every Saturday in October, they're doing, um, a lot of really, uh, really cool movies. I think they're doing like the original Night of the Living Dead at one point. Uh, they're playing Christine soon. In two weeks, they're doing Jaws. So on a, like a Wednesday night, so that'll be fun. Two other things I want to bring up that I actually forgot about. Showed Susan Jaws for the first time. Okay. She'd never seen it. That's, I'm jealous. Uh, it was great. She really enjoyed it, I think. Um, I think it also gave her anxiety, so I think she's still processing, like, did she enjoy all of it, or was it too much anxiety? It's but a lot to handle. It's a serious. It's a serious movie. It's a very yeah. It's 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 insane. I also want to discuss with you a little movie that I know you watched as well, called XX. Um, I'm gonna confess and say I don't think that I, what I did can can could be considered watching that movie. Okay, I tapped it about halfway through. Oh, okay. Because that second segment was just. Now it's the second one. Was that the one directed by? Um... St. Vincent? I don't know. So she, this was, one of the shorts was from St. Vincent, and that was her first directorial anything. Yeah. You're like really not into it, huh? No, I thought the first short, the one that we actually saw um, when Jack Ketchum did his little thing, and he he played the sneak preview from it, um, I believe the segment was just called The Box. Mm -hmm. I think that was really awesome. That was really well done. But the second one was just, uh, I, 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 it just it just fell so fast. I was like, I can't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give this movie another chance. Oh wow. Okay. I yeah. didn't realize. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. I actually thought it was actually pretty good. Um, with my lowered expectations. I think if I had gone in expecting it to be amazing, but I you had said like you weren't into it, and then other people I read their letterbox reviews were not positive. So I kind of went in with lowered expectations, but I wanted to see it. Because it is an interesting sort of yeah, project. Yeah, no. with I mean, all I'm, all, I'm, I'm all for um, an all women directed anthology. I think it's mm -hmm. cool. There should be more of them. They should do mm -hmm. an, they should do an XX part two. Yeah, I don't regret buying the movie because at least I supported it. My money went towards it. Um, mm -hmm. All for that. I just wasn't a fan of it. I would say give give the later segments a chance. Okay, because they're not terrible. A couple of them are pretty good. The whole thing, it is not. It's no Tales from the Hood. Let's put it I was going to say, on a scale from Tales from the Hood to the third creep show, where would you rank it? Ugh. 
Way better than the third creep. The third creep show is fucking trash. It's very bad. I I I enjoyed it more than the first v, first VHS. Okay, but I did not enjoy it as much as the second VHS. Gotcha. Because no short, even the first one, which I really like. Yeah. No short in XX is as good as the cult one in VHS two. Very true. That's a good short. It's so fucking good. It's very good. All right. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about 1980s eco horror masterpiece Alligator. Alligator. Which is Spanish for the lizard. It lives 50 feet beneath the streets. It's 36 feet long. It weighs over 2,000 pounds. And it's about to break out. We're looking at the one we saw. And it was big. You said it was dark. Now, perhaps you were mistaken. Ah! An alligator half that size would starve in a week. There was no way to stop it. It could be anywhere. Ready to attack at any moment. I've seen what this animal can do. You'd better take all the help you can get. At first, no one believed it. Now, no one will forget it. And we're back to talk about Alligator. Alligator. Now, a little bit about Alligator, directed by Louis Teague, who also directed, bum, 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 and I'm turning the page, Cat's Eye, Cujo, Jewel of the Nile, and Navy Seals, released on July 2nd, 1980. It was written by John Sales. He also did Cujo, huh? He did Cujo, yes. That's no joke. It is no joke. We might want to add Cujo to our Animals Attack series. Do you want to make it five parts? Jesus Christ. No, I don't. Okay. Are we doing four in a row? Slugs and, and frogs. We're doing four in a row. I'm ready. We'll figure it out. Look, we don't have time to talk about this right now. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. So he did Cujo. He did Cat's Eye, which, by the way, is not an Animal's Attack movie. No, it's not. Neither is Navy Seals or Jewel of the, Jewel of the Nile, I imagine, is a softcore pornographic film. <laughs> okay. Um, don't 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 argue with me on that. I'm just assuming it is. Yeah, it's fine. That's yeah. a fine assumption to make. Uh, starring Robin Riker, Michael Gazzo, Dean Jagger, Sidney Lassick, and Robert Motherfucking Forrester. <laughs> Wait, Robert Forrester is in Jewel of the Nile? No, he's an alligator. Oh, okay. I don't care who's in Jewel of the Nile. All right, let's keep going. So, estimated budget of one and a half million, which is actually pretty impressive, giving this movie. It looks good. It feels like a Corman movie, but it's not. It a does. Corman it movie. does. Uh, it's it's supposed to take place in Chicago, but it totally takes place in Los Angeles where it was filmed <laughs> because you can fucking see palm trees the whole movie. There are no a. There are no palm trees in in Chicago. Chicago. There are no palm trees west of the Mississippi River. <laughs> there are no palm trees west of Sierra Nevada. You mean east? east. east. Oh, God damn it! Yeah. I'm so worked up. <laughs> this movie. It's not like in Halloween where you're like, oh, if I pause it at this point, I can see a palm tree way off in the distance. Like, they don't even bother covering up the palm trees. Like, they don't even bother adding some, like, Chicago elements, like a guy in a 
Bulls jersey or some guy going, "Hey, I got sausage here." Yeah, at no point does the cityscape in this movie look anything other than L.A. Yes, like the it's whole time, so you're like, LA. oh, it's L.A. It's so L.A. Sure, L.A. Right now, cool, um, cool, cool. Um, what? Tell people what the plot. Okay. Well, let me because because I'm stats here okay. first. Okay, gotcha. So it was written by John Bell, who written by John Sales. Sales, who also my handwriting's terrible, who also wrote Piranha. It right. was surprisingly well received by critics, except for stinky old Roger Ebert, who said, we should flush this movie down the toilet to see if it also grows into something fearsome. He gave it one out of four stars. You know what? Fuck you, Roger Ebert, because I like this movie. <sighs> I love I love Roger Ebert in many ways, but often his horror movie reviews are not one of them. Yes. Uh, a very horrible sequel was made entitled Alligator 2 The Mutation. That movie was not nearly as well received as Alligator was. Mostly because it was just a rehash of this one. Did you read this trivia thing about the original script? No. Uh, Sale says that the original script, uh, it was set in Milwaukee, and the explanation for why the alligator grew so gigantic was because of beer from a beer factory going into the sewers. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it just the, the alligator just drank beer. Now he's a giant. Yeah. So, so, okay, so I got this script for this alligator that gets all big. How did it get so big? Uh, well, okay, so it's in the sewers, and the beer comes down, it drinks the beer, and it gets big. <laughs> Film it. So the plot of Alligator is, it opens up, and we're in Florida, and there's some, some gator wrestling. There's this guy wrestling a gator, and um, he gets bit, which is kind of cool, because if you wrestle an alligator, you probably suck. And then um, this little girl buys a, her father buys her, like, an alligator, like a little baby alligator take home. She takes it back to Chicago, and then... Um, L.A. She takes it back to it L.A. It takes it back to L.A. And then inexplicably, the father comes home with a vendetta against the alligator. He just decides he he's just not comes into home. this alligator. He just hates this alligator. He's so mad at the alligator. And he like gleefully flushes it down the toilet in front of the little girl, which is horrible. No, she's not home. She thinks the alligator is dead. Oh, okay. He's like, we'll just tell her it's dead. And he flushes the alligator. And then the movie never actually says that the alligator is her alligator or that the little girl is this character like they, she is the character though she is but they never really like confirm okay. it's just strongly suggested that gotcha. like fate has brought them back together but she never figures out she's never like what if this alligator is my alligator Which i would assume immediately if i was in chicago or los angeles or i don't know here and i had a pet alligator and flushed it down the toilet and then like alligator started attacking i would put two and two together because when you put two and two together what do you get four there's no reason for her to think that. It's been like 20 years. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know, man. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just, I'm, I, I would have thought. So the people start turning up dead. Right. Um, and, and, and there's this whole connection uh, with this pet store. So uh, we, we're introduced to Robert Forrester, who is a charming, handsome police detective. So handsome, so charming. Who's going bald. Side note. All of his bald jokes in the film. So there are jokes other people make about him being bald are jokes that Robert Forster tells about himself in real life being bald. And John Sayles thought these jokes were so fucking funny, he wrote them into the script for other people to make about Robert Forster's character. That's awesome. But there are things Robert Forster said about himself, apparently. Anyways, all that to say... Um, he's in this pet store. He interacts with this pet store guy who's a creep who you might know from other films. Uh, all of which I forget right now, but he's a pretty well-known character actor, and he's always creepy. Don't a- don't ask Liam to back up that stat though. Just <laughs> if you want me to take the time, no, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's fine. The it's point fine. is, is that we this pet store 
character guy is important because Robert Forster interacts with him. And then later we see this guy is selling puppies, mm-hmm. fucking selling puppies to a lab. To a terrible lab. And after the lab does all these tests on the puppies. They pump them full of these growth hormones. Yep. And then he tosses these puppies into the sewer filled with these crazy hormones, these dead puppies. He tosses, by the way, the actor I'm talking about is Sidney Lassick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who you might know from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest or Carrie or Man on the Moon or a bunch of uh, softcore porn. Anyway, point is, is that... um, uh, he's down there in the sewer. He's tossing these dead puppies everywhere. He's got a, like a fucking trash fucking bag of dead, dead dogs puppies all over the place. And that's the first time we actually see bam alligator attack. And, and here's the thing: it's really scary. It is. That's the the first introduction to the alligator. Like, okay, obviously alligator is a Jaws ripoff. Can we just say this? That like uh, I don't know. I okay. Let me let me say there is no animals attack movie with a big animal post Jaws that is not trying to be Jaws. There's none. They all are influenced by Jaws. There's some amount of Jaws in its DNA. Okay. In this case, it's quite literally like Jaws because Jaws, uh, the shark, hardly ever worked. I mean, they gave this dude two weeks to make a new thing that had never existed before, and lo and behold, it barely worked. <laughs> like, that's yeah, just... who knew? Yeah, it's just, that's how it works. Well, with Alligator, same fucking thing. The thing barely worked. Uh, there is a very creative use of of models where we get a live alligator. I will say, I said this when we were watching this. I uh, I will I I will I will stand. I will take a fucking hard stand on this. I think the use of the alligator model in this points of view and all that was more effective in this movie than it was in Jaws. Well, did they use a model? They never used a model in Jaws. Oh yeah, a real shark ate Robert Shaw. No, there was an animatronic. <laughs> At no point in Jaws were they like, build a smaller version of the ocean. I'm saying. And then have a shark swim I'm through it. All the scenes that they show the alligator in this that aren't an actual alligator scaled down are more effective than any of the scenes in Jaws, I think. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you there, but I, I, I don't I need to think about it more. The point being is that um, this movie also, though they do show the alligator more than they show the shark most of Jaws until the end when they just start throwing it onto yeah. the boat and shit. Um, the, the, um, they don't use it that much, and I think it works. And the few times they do use it, it's pretty good. Um, there's only a couple of parts where you can kind of see it looks kind of fake. But like I said, unlike Jaws, because Jaws never had a scene like this, they built a model of this street, which, by the way, the street's clearly a set in the first place because no part of this movie looks like Chicago. And they just had a live alligator just walk out onto this model version of the set. And, like, they don't use it a lot. It's, like, it's, you know, a couple yeah. of shots here and there. And it's pretty effective. Very like, it, effective. It's, you're like, oh, wow, that's a big fucking and alligator. It's, it's, it's funny because I, I had seen this movie when I was a little kid. And the only scenes I really remember were the one little boy dying. Um, the alligator getting flushed on the toilet and the alligator like busting out of the concrete. Like everything about the, everything else about this movie, it's, it's, the haze of time is gone. But those scenes, the alligator busting through through the concrete, that's that's just really. I mean, it's insane. It's ludicrous, but it's fucking awesome. And I think it that it just it works. Like model or not, I think it works. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um I want to be as clear as possible here too. Like, uh, this movie's really effective. So, uh, okay, so just to back up a little bit, um, 
it takes a little while, a little while for them to figure out this alligator thing, but pretty quickly after a photographer gets attacked by the alligator. That's great, because then they're like, they're like making fun of Robert Forrester, because he's like... Yeah, so he shows up, he's, the guy he's with gets eaten, and it's actually really fucked up. When it's his, really when he scary. Gets, and then he's like, oh my God, an alligator, and everyone's like, yeah. Like, they're basically scene after scene of people, you know, no one literally does this, but it's like the equivalent of people just making jerk-off motions at Robert yeah. Forrester over me. Yeah, I bet an alligator. And they keep talking about how like, hey, you know guy in st louis who got your partner killed yeah like, like they just are like fuck this so dude so lightheartedly they rib him for having his partner killed and then uh and then and then uh and then there's pictures so they're like oh i guess i guess there is an alligator yeah so they create this very complicated sort of like we're gonna flush him out of the sewers we're gonna send the swat team down we're there. gonna go down there the swat team goes in the sewer there's nothing there's nothing and then you're kind of like well is the is the alligator stealthy? Like, how did the alligator get away? And then they just up the ante. They're like, oh, we'll just have the alligator burst out of a city street like a fucking and dinosaur. attack children playing stickball. And it doesn't stop there. There are multiple child deaths in this movie. Yes, very. Not like Alex Kittner child deaths where right. you see a kid get... But I mean, this was the first movie I saw where I was like, holy shit, that just thing just ate a kid. Yeah. The birthday, there's a birthday scene and they bring the birthday way out and they push him into the pool. They make pool, him walk the plank. Walk the plank and push him into the pool and then the alligator's in the goddamn pool. He's like, oh, cool. This, that sounds good. Let's yeah, eat Let's you. eat that kid. Yeah, it's my birthday. Um, and it's just, and then it becomes like a, like more of a monster movie in a way because the alligator's mayhem. everywhere and he he's, you know, obviously he doesn't know who's responsible for him existing but is he seeking revenge for his existence no he's not but okay. we the audience know who's responsible yes and so we man. get to see him attack the rich people and oh it's, my god uh, it's so fucking this satisfying movie, i would say that i don't know if that was in the intent of this movie i don't know because this movie while i love it and it's definitely super fun this movie isn't a particularly uh intelligent film no but there's something that's very on the nose about there's rich people doing shady shit and flushing it down the drain. Literally flushing. Literally flushing. And then that same shady shit comes back to attack them at their fucking wedding and destroy their car with its tail. Oh man. Like that scene it's like that scene is so beautiful because it's just like there's these rich assholes at their wedding and all of a sudden the alligator just strolls on in and lays waste to everything. The thing about a movie too in which um a guy I mean, let's just say here, Robert Forster is the man in this movie. He's just... He's amazing. He is condensed masculinity. Yes. He spends most of the movie... This is like an 80s thing I don't understand. The sweater or sweatshirt with no undershirt <laughs> that doesn't quite fit. It's so a look whole, we need to bring back. So the whole movie, he's just... His sweatshirt isn't fitting and his abs are just out or, yeah, or his chest hair sticking out and he's running around trying to find the alligator or whatever and i will say what the movie realizes is that a movie in which there's just a giant alligator attacking everybody it could overstay its welcome let's just put that out there yes and this movie it just heads towards a climax where they're just like well we could make this complicated or whatever but he just blows up the alligator blow up all the alligators we're just gonna blow up the alligator yeah, blow <laughs> And, and and it even has a gag in it, like a like a sight. It's basically like a gag, really. It's it's you know it's an action set piece. Yeah. But it's a gag where he's trapped in the sewer with the alligator and the explosives, and a woman is parked on the fucking manhole, and yeah. they're trying to get her to move her car. And she doesn't want to move her car. Why would she move her car? I don't want to move, move my car. 
because he's trying to get out and literally the whole street's about to explode. It's so great. In Los Angeles because it's clearly not Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, oh man. I, and I love the fact that they just like, like, I mean, I'm sure there, I'm sure there was some Italian horror movie made in the 60s or 70s that was just called Shark. Sure. But, you know, and then they made Jaws. It's like, oh, Jaws. It's a, like, I wish I could have been there when they were writing Alligator, and they were like, "What are we going to call this movie?" And you know that, like, at that point, there had already been a few of these, though. Like, John Sales was... was like, "Call it Alligator." They're like, "We don't want to call it. Fucking call it Alligator." How about Armored Tail? Call it Alligator. It's just like, I mean, by that point, though, there had been a few movies that were just called the animal. Like there was like Tarantula, there was Orca, there was. Orca, I mean, it's not yeah, Orca came before this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I, I feel like there had been a few frogs, well, slugs. To be fair, frogs is not really about... Frogs shouldn't be called frogs. Frogs but. also is about alligators. Frogs could actually just be called when animals attack, and you'd be like, no, that's perfectly sensible. <laughs> yeah, no, for this that's movie. true. Yeah. So um, uh, some of the highlights of the film, we already said, Robert Forster is, somehow manages to be tough, but also believably fucking scared of a giant alligator. Frankly so. Super sexy. Oh, my God. And just, like, very humorous. Like, there's a lot of humor in this film which i think works really well yes uh, is it as snappy as jaws per se no it, it doesn't have the i mean because that's the thing about this movie although i did say that it, the scenes were more effective yeah um this movie definitely like lewis teague is not the director that steven spielberg no. is like not steven spielberg jaws i i know that jaws is like oh it's the entry level horror but like there's a reason that jaws has stuck around there's a reason i'm afraid to go in the ocean and it's jaws but can, can we talk about this really quick? We could talk about it when we're on the Final Girls episode talking about Deep Blue Sea. How about that? I just want to just say this, though. The idea that we're all going to just say, like, sure, 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 Jaws is effective, but it's not that great. That just seems like some hot take bullshit to Jaws me. Jaws like, is amazing. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like you, But I think you're responding a little bit to there's, I've seen it. I've seen this. I mean, of course, part of it is in response to we all know like half the movie nerds on the internet want you to know that Spielberg is the greatest director who's ever lived. I get that there's a whole lot of wankery around Spielberg, and I also am not into it. But that doesn't then give me the right to pretend that Jaws is not still as effective now as the day it fucking came Jaws out. Jaws is every every single time I watch Jaws, every single time I watch Jaws, I am blown away by how tense that movie is. Yeah. Uh, I, just the... Uh, not to get too off, off too far of a tangent, I recently said, um, recently was talking about this, took it to Twitter, that Jaw, the only scene in Jaws that does not work for me is when Loretta, Loretta Gary and Roy Schneider are sitting there and he's like looking at the book on sharks and he's yelling at his kids and then she sees the sharks in the book and she starts yelling at the kids. It's It's corny, it doesn't really fit, but everything else in that movie... Every time Robert Shaw opens his mouth is amazing. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's just perfect. The chemistry between everyone is amazing. It's it's just a super effective movie. And um, this movie does not have the, the polished flow and humanity that Jaws has. But let's put it this way. There is a fucking ocean. An ocean. Yeah, I'm saying that because of Jaws. Um of Jaws ripoffs of let's not even just call them Jaws ripoffs. Let's just say animal attack movies that um, sure those movies existed before Jaws, but post Jaws, it blew up. It blew up. It became a big industry. 
And of those movies, now granted, I've never seen Orca, so... Yo, Orca's sick. I'll withhold my judgment on yeah. that. But of the Animal Attack movies I've seen, which is a lot of goddamn movies, Alligator's the first one where it works. Yes. It, it entirely works, and it works for a small budget, for a uh, the aura of the movie. Again, when I say it feels like a Corman movie, it very much feels like... The, uh, this is something I think we've hinted at or, or, or we've addressed on here before, but I want to really put it out there because, um, and, and, and this came up a little bit on, on Twitter. We were talking with a few different people about horror and um, about different people's responses to horror, and that was inspired by this fucking bullshit article that we're not going to get into. Yeah, fuck the Guardian. Yeah, yeah Fuck them forever. doesn't matter. Yeah. The point being is that um, one of the feelings is that horror fandom oftentimes at its most extreme poles are folks for whom they really want the most artsy and obscure or strange or extreme or whatever. And then folks who maybe like things the most palatable, the most obvious, whatever. And those yeah. are sort of the, the stereotypes, the caricatures of horror fans. Um, but one thing I think when you are thinking about horror as a, as a genre, not just in the abstract, but in the lived reality which I think is important to say. Like we all have an idea of what horror should be. Okay. Then there's what exists, the actual movies that are out there, the the lived reality. Yes. Um, sometimes when we want to express that a movie is bad, we talk about it as like a cheap cash in, a cash grab. And those those happen. I mean, uh, post Halloween, how many slasher movies were just like, yo, fuck it, just do it, a guy, a knife, whatever the fuck, who yeah. cares? I mean, in recent years, how many how many horrible found footage movies came out? Oh my god, just a, a fucking pile! And yet, that's a great example because uh, on this very podcast, we covered um, what was the British film? Final Prayer. Final Prayer, amazing movie. No reason for that movie to be as good as it is. Yeah, uh, it very possibly was as much of a, a cash in as any other thing, but it was great. That's what I'm saying about Alligator. Like, I think I the vibe for me on this movie is not a fucking auteur with this singular vision about alligators and they're gonna do this is as much of a goddamn cash grab as anything else. But what's great about horror, I think more than other genres, but I could be wrong about that, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight on that hill. But I think it's possibly true that some of horror's greatest movies are fucking cynical like i don't know it's an alligator movie what i mean john sales read the original script for this thing and was like this is a literal piece of shit and all he kept was the name and the idea that there's an alligator in it that's ballsy and then just rewrote the whole fucking magic thing. he had he had a vision he was like <laughs> bring, <laughs> but, but bring you, me robert foster but you see what i'm saying like i say all that to say like um you know, Jaws is the result of a whole lot of business as well. I don't want to make it out like fucking Spielberg has been obsessed with sharks forever or whatever. But you know what I mean? But well, you, I mean, okay, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it comes from a book. And it, in other words, I don't want to, it's not some pure work of art. No, no it's drastically different from the book. And Peter Benchley yeah. was a crazy person. But. So, but I say all that to say, like, but it is a different kind of movie yes. than Alligator. And yet, even though Alligator is not. Um, maybe is like above B level. It's so goddamn effective. There's also not a tale of three men struggling with their homosexuality. 
Uh, okay, let's move on. Yeah. The point is, is that um, it really works. Yes. The alligator. I mean, it's half the shots. It's just a fucking immobile rubber alligator. It shouldn't be scary but at all. Fucking scene when you first see it behind the two of the like. There's there's a scene where oh they God. they are they're in the sewer. And behind them, there's a level slightly above them. And they're looking at a map. And the one guy sticks the the flashlight under his armpit just as a way to get it out of the way while he's holding the map. And it illuminates behind him. And the alligator is fucking behind them. You only see it for like a couple of seconds. It's so scary. And there's no, there's no, see, and this is the one time, this is one time when I will say that um, films from when we were younger, or in this case before I was born, yeah. are more effective than films today. Because if this movie had been made today, there would have been some bullshit like dun, like some stab of music to catch you. Yeah, the jump scare you know what I mean? aspect. Like yeah, a jump yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's like in this one, there's no, they don't even acknowledge it. There's no noise. All you see, is, you either see it or you don't see you it. You don't see it. Yeah, and it, it, I'll just. They don't make movies like that anymore. Like. So uh, let's acknowledge some of the other characters in this thing. Uh, The chief of police is a fucking caricature of a human, but it works so well. What's Robert Forrester's Forrester's character's name? We'll just we'll just call him we'll just call him Bob. He's like, hey Bob, you got to do something about this goddamn alligator that's down in the sewers. Hey, I get the feeling. who is it? Oh, it's Michael Gazzo. Yeah. Michael Gazzo. You've seen him in a million things. He's like, a, you know, a, a weathered, his, you know, a history he's, of he sounds like character that. acting. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you probably remember him from the fucking Godfather of all things. Was he in the Godfather? Yeah. Oh. Hold on. Let me double check that and make sure. Yeah, he was in the Godfather. Oh, is that part two? Yeah, he's in the Godfather part two. Okay. Um. I, I don't know. He might be in The Godfather too. Actually, I'm just looking. You at will him. know his voice before you know his face. Point is, he, there's a few characters like that that are these sort of recognizable character actors. Um, the female lead in this movie, not the best. She's not great, and it's not. It's not. She's not bad, but um, it's not a very well written part anyway. No. But uh, even what's there, she doesn't bring a lot to it. She exists. The character exists. Solely to be bedded by Robert Forrester. I hate to say it, uh, and then still like the movie, but it that it does feel that way. Yes. So, it, if you're looking for a strong female character, this don't movie, watch Alligator. You're not going to get it, but um, but she, but she doesn't ruin the movie or anything. It's not like she's like painful or anything like no, that. She's, she's, it's I mean, and in fact, there's a lot of like side characters, like cops and the uh, the head of the lab and the, 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 the hunter thing. that they send after him. That's played by um. Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, you will know this gentleman from a million different movies. Uh, he's awesome. Oh, Henry Silva. Yes. Henry Silva is a classic crime mobster, gangster sort of actor. Did a lot of European films. Yeah. But uh, he is this, and they hire this hunter Basically, they just don't trust Robert Forrester to do his thing. No, because he's still the man. They hire this hunter. He's an asshole. He doesn't really know what he's doing. And he does this awful thing where he's like, well, if I was in a jungle somewhere... I would hire natives to be my guide. So, what, so I'm does, just gonna, what does Henry Silva do, Liam? Tell us. He just goes up to uh, three random uh, African-American teenagers who I guess are in a gang because they have matching T-shirts on. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> it's 1980s, so I will yeah. sure. And he's just like, I'll give you guys 10 bucks and beer. He's like, hey, guys, turn down, turn down your boom box. I got a request for you. Yeah. No, it's really like that. And yeah. he, he's, 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 
he's as disrespectful to these gentlemen as if they were like naked in the jungle and yeah, he was with bones in the, and he was using hand signals <laughs> he just doesn't care about them but it's I, I, that again that sounds fucked up but it works for the character i mean that's who he is he's a prick he's this big game hunter and he's going to come in here and get he's this like alligator a woman. he makes these weird sexual illusions like oh yeah he's talking to the the local uh newscaster and he's just hitting on her the whole time yes, it's disgusting. i'm a big gun and blah, blah, blah. Gun. Yeah, maybe i'll show you what's going on this weekend but it works so and it like immediately you hate him and you're like i hope that fucking gator eats him and guess what the gator eats the gator fucking eats him the gator's hiding in a pile of trash the gator's like hiding in a pile of trash and he's like tracking him down an alleyway and then it just like he's with these um urban youths that he has hired as his guides and um it's this can we just say this whole thing to this uh, this is one of the few things about the movie that actually kind of bothered me a little bit, but it's it's a common 80s thing. That urban youth are somehow both tough and cowards. Yeah, no, so you're like, allowed to say that. Yeah, I'm going to fuck everybody up. I'm so tough. Oh my God, there's an alligator. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, I hate that 80s thing of like, look, either they're soulless killers or they're yellow belly cowards. Which one? You can't yeah. have it both ways. Yeah. But in every 80s movie, it's like, I'm so tough. Oh my God, actual danger. I'm getting out of here. Same with Slime City that we watched. Yeah, yeah. Well, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So that that whole aspect of it is not great, but it's a small element in the movie. Um, his character really works for what's going on there. And I mean... Um, I really think the 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 villain of the movie. I mean, obviously the alligator, but the villain of the movie is, to a large extent, this head of the lab. I would say that the head of the lab, because um, it's is, his fault. He causes yeah, all this, of this. This is definitely something that I I, I, I would like to address when we, when we talk with the final girls. The problem. We'll just say this up front when it comes to animal horror movies. Um, when it comes to animal horror movies, I, I I've always had a hard time with actually seeing the an- animal as a villain because animals they can't have intent. Right. You know what I mean? It's say what you will about Jaws the Revenge and I'm not making a joke right here. One way that definitely succeeded was that like as ludicrous and fucking insane that it was by making the shark this like sentient force of nature that was out to get revenge. It was like, okay, no. Now we can go after it and kill it because it's not an animal just acting out the way animals do. Right. Um so that's why in this movie like you like I'm not. It's not one of those things where you root for the alligator because the alligator's like it's just leaving this path of mayhem. But really, it's not really doing anything. You know, like it only attacks people when they come into the sewer. Um, it only attacks. I mean, it eats a kid, but like, I mean, you know, that happens. Uh, you know, kids they fall in the pool. You know, whatever. Uh, and then like the rest of the movie is this alligator running from people while they're trying. They're, they're, at one point, they're literally dropping death charges into Echo Lake trying to blow it up. Um, Definitely not Chicago. No, it's way not Chicago. Yeah, and then like. It goes, it goes, that's why when it goes to the wedding, and I can't believe I'm saying this again, when the, when the giant alligator goes to the wedding reception and just lays waste to this elaborate wedding reception and then goes after the head of the company who's in his car and just beats the shit out of this thing with its tail, you do root for the alligator at that point. In every moment where the alligator is not threatening Robert Forster's life, I'm all on board. I'm I, I rooting the for the alligator. Yeah, even when he eats the kid, it's so dark and it's so scary. But I, you know, I didn't see this as a kid. I'm seeing it as an adult. So yeah, some yeah, part yeah. of me is kind of like, "Oh shit, really?" Yeah. But it's not. I don't feel, I mean, which makes it sound like the movie isn't working. The movie's still working. It's just I, I agree with you. There's something about animal attack films where sometimes you don't know. I mean, uh, uh, there are exceptions, like for Squirm. 
I can't feel for the worms. No. Like, fuck the worms. Uh, or a similar, Kingdom of the Spiders. I haven't seen that movie in... I'm, oh, I'm, I'm dude. not sure if I've ever seen that movie. I mean, Will Shatner versus a fuckload of spiders. Yeah. I'm on Shatner's side. It's just yeah. how it is. No, and when we watch... I don't like spiders, but like, you know... When we um, watch Orca, that's definitely a movie. A uh, friend of the podcast, Sarah Gore, had told me that this movie was when she was like a little kid. Yeah. Used to fuck her up. Not because of how scary it is, but because of how horrible the people are in it. And sure. how terrible they treat the animals. And then the, yeah. the, the Orca's just like, well, fuck this, I'm going after you. And yeah. that's, that's a movie we're going to watch where it's like... You're way on board for the archive. And there's a number of movies like that. Um, also, there's a number of um, Bigfoot movies like that. Oh, where yes. where, Harry where the people are bad. Yeah. And that doesn't make the animal not dangerous. But you start to like get why the animal's doing what it does. And there's always that one good character that like is torn because they feel bad for the animal. Yeah, yeah. But they also like have to kill it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I kind of feel that. I'm kind of into that. I, I mean, to make it, to, to, to bring it even more to the forefront, um, it's why, and again, this is going to sound like I'm making a stupid joke, um, it's why I really liked the Indominus Rex in Jurassic World, was because they established that like, this thing is like smarter than people, and it kills for fun. Like, it, it's a cruel animal, and you're like, okay, then, then go kill it. You know, like, the, the, the T-Rex, you're just like, it's just protecting its territory. I can't hate an animal for doing that. I mean, I hate that you just brought up Jurassic World, but so otherwise I, I agree Jurassic with you. World. I make, I, you're not my god. I don't have to apologize to you. I mean, you do. I'm not apologizing. You owe me more than you do God. We're not going to go there. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I mean, this this movie, it, it, it's just... and. and I, I think we should make one thing clear. This this movie isn't at all comedic or lighthearted. It's not like a goofy black comedy. Um, there's there's some humor from Robert Forster's character. There is, but no more than like there is in Jaws. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not. I, uh, let's put it this way. It, it's not that there's no humor. There's no camp. Yeah, yeah. At no point are they like, look at this stupid rubber alligator. It's so goofy, right? Yeah. No, they want you to be afraid of this alligator. This is and a, for the most part, it is scary. This is a horror movie that was made in earnest to evoke a right. feeling of horror. Right. And it works. And like you said, I really feel that um, even though it's a little on the nose, the alligator going after the rich people, like, it really works. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not, I mean, again, because they, they, like, they, they talk about early in the movie, when we were saying how they were like, kidnapping dogs and, and and we find out because they find like a like a what got a little foofy little puffy dog like a like a like a like a like a pomeranian yeah and it's the size of a great dane yeah and they're like how the fuck did this happen and the woman's like i just saw him last month and he was just a little tiny guy and now he's he's a horse like what's up with that and they're like someone's up to something and they go to this shady pharmaceutical company and the guy is lying through his fucking teeth and and then it's revealed that oh no these people have been pumping these dogs full of things to experiment on them and when they die they just flush them down the sewer and that's where the alligator gets them so there is again there is that that satisfaction that there's big pharma doing evil shit gets its comeuppance when the alligator fucks up its wedding <laughs> think about the alligator attacking with its tail because they keep showing the tail hitting the car I mean it is funny because this alligator is big enough. That you really believe that its jaws could easily rip apart this car, and but instead of doing that, he just crushes it with his it's tail. It's so good. It's so good. Anyways, uh, Alligator, nineteen eighty. I would recommend Great it. Great movie. It ends with a very obvious 
We see another alligator flush down the drain. Yeah. For alligator. I mean, there's definitely a message here of you should probably not flush your alligator down the drain. Yeah, totally don't do that. Don't flush any pet down the drain. Don't don't get an alligator. Let's for a just pet. go ahead and not put medical waste into the sewer. Yeah, let's not let's not dump dead dogs down there. Yeah. All right. So um yeah, that was alligator. Uh oh I, I mean, we kind of touched touched upon this before surprisingly well well received by critics yeah i mean like i said i think it's a it's effective for what it is it's not it's not you know um it's not deepening the genre per se but it's really well you know it's like a really it's like a really solid hardcore record where you're like okay well there's nothing next level going on here but this is this is what it needs to be and it's really good i would go as far as saying alligator is the outspoken of animal horror movies okay we're gonna take a break I'm going to take a goddamn break. Out here is where it will find you. She was the last one to see it. Now, he must face it. Thought you might know what happened to him. Alone. God has created it. And hell has given it a name. Now, there's a new breed of terror. Talk about 1980. Um, I believe it's. Why are you talking so soft? <laughs> we're going to talk about 1984's uh, Razorback. All right, we're going to talk about 1984's Razorback. Or more appropriately, 1984's Razorback. <laughs> Directed by Russell Mulcahy. Mulcahy. Written by Everett DeRoach. Based on a novel by Peter Brennan. Starring Bill Kerr, Judy Morris, Gregory Harrison, Chris Haywood, and Dave Argue as Dicko. There was a guy named Dicko in that movie. Were you aware of that? <laughs> um, so you uh, may know this gentleman, Russell yeah. Mulcahy. What were some movies? What were what were some things that he did? Uh, well, he got this job because of his director work on the Duran Duran music video "Hungry Like the Wolf." No shit. Uh, after this, he did a lot more music videos. He if did. You, if you look at his IMDb thing, it's mostly music videos. The vast majority is music videos. Until he gets to a little movie called Highlander. Mm-hmm. Followed by Highlander 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bunch of other There's things. a bunch of shit. Uh, Blue, Blue Steel is one of them, uh, actually. Blue uh, Ice. Blue Ice, that's right. I actually think that movie's pretty good. And then after that, it's pretty bad. Uh, including, Ricochet, The Shadow. Uh, yeah, The Shadow. I mean, 
The Shadow was a big deal in the 90s, but it's a bad movie. It's a terrible movie. Uh, but, and then uh, I think his most recent movie movie, I mean, he, he's he's actually working on Teen Wolf right now. If you uh, watch that 36 show. episodes of Teen Wolf, to be exact. But uh, but he also did that Resident Evil. What was the Resident Evil Resident movie? Evil Extinction. Ugh, gross. And Scorpion King, Rise of the Warrior. So, uh, Razorback, uh, um, why don't you tell people what this movie's about? So this movie opens up, um, it opens up in the Outback. Where a gentleman, I believe his name is Jake. It's yep. A typical name of Jake. He, um, he's got his little grandson. He's a little cute little grandson. He's hanging out in his house. Yep. His house is way out in the middle of nowhere. Like I, Everything in this movie. In everything is, 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 is weirdly isolated, but like it's just straight. So he's out there, and then this massive feral boar, like a feral pig. It's like a truck. It's a big fucking pig. Crashes through every wall of his house and eats his grandson. The house catches fire. I wasn't... 100% clear on how that happened, but I'm okay with it. Um, and then when people, when he, he's like, his grandson's dead. His grandson gets eaten by this giant pig. Um, and then people don't believe him. People are like, like they show up and the house is on fire and it's like the walls are caved in. And they think like, I, that's one thing I wasn't clear was like, what do they think happened to this kid? You know what I mean? Like when the dingoes ate the baby, they were like, yeah, you just got rid of your baby because you didn't want him anymore. Like what were the authorities that showed up? Like, I don't know, the mice from the fucking rescuers down under. When they showed up, what did they think happened to this house? Well, but here's the thing. Not everyone, uh, not every Razorback is so big that they just, you know, tear through a whole house. So I think the suggestion is that like it's criminal negligence in some way. How did and, the walls of the house get knocked down? Well, this is why he gets off. Everyone, oh, okay. uh, if you remember, there's a trial. So what happens is this happens. There's a trial sequence. Everyone at the trial is like, Razorback, fuck you. You killed your baby. Razorback, ah, fuck off. Yeah, and, and there's all these these <laughs> Razorback character witnesses yeah. who try to suggest that like Razorbacks are just these like not-so-bad pigs. Oh, I've never seen a Razorback do that. <laughs> the lawyer is the only one who's like, Razorbacks are mutants. They can do whatever they want. Blah, blah, blah. Also, it's like this the, whole thing. But finally he gets off because the judge is like, okay, while I don't believe you, there's no actual evidence that you did anything wrong, so I guess I have to let you go. To, by the way... um. Isn't this how just it, a million witnesses can get up and go? I don't know. His story sounds like bullshit. I think he killed his kid. And if there's no actual, I mean, this is the thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. fact that there was even a trial, they're like, we actually have no evidence that you did anything I'm, wrong. I'm just assuming that the people who showed up were so horrified at what they saw, they were like, well, we can't just. If we admit that a giant pig ate this baby, like I, I, I can't set foot out into the night ever again because I know what lurks in the darkness. So let's just put up a mock trial. So this town is uh, one of the places, and this is a big thing, where there are these kangaroo hunts. Um, and the kangaroo hunt aspect of this film, by the way, is not the only connection between this movie and the classic Wake and Fright. Um, this is yet another movie that's like, it's in the outback, all the Australians in it, except for the guy whose kid is killed by the Razorback. Are basically inhuman monsters. They're like Richard, extras from a Richard Stanley movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just awful. Well, and again, much like Wake and Fright, and then Wake and Fright again sort of circles around this kangaroo hunt. We don't, if you're worried about that, there's no kangaroo hunt in this movie, but uh, we meet this New York couple, and the woman is this journalist who does animal stories, yes. which, side note, doesn't exist. There is no such person. No one's ever been like, I'm going to base my whole. 
I'm gonna go to Australia and be able to shine the light of truth on Australia. Well, just like that, this is her thing. Like there might be a reporter who does one story on kangaroos, but it's like all I covered are animal stories. Like doesn't happen. uh, uh, That's less believable than the giant razorback aspect of the movie. Real quick, I need to make a joke. I've been thinking about for weeks. Do it. Okay. So Jake, this guy, the uh, razorback. it, it, It it there's the walls in his house. It goes slamming through. You don't fuck with a razorback. Damage Incorporated. Metallica lyrics. <laughs> they talk about don't fuck with razorback. No, I no, I get it. Metallica, they wrote a song about this movie. So um So I choose to believe. Okay, so this woman, she comes out to the outback um to cover this kangaroo thing. She briefly talks to Jake, who's now of course an angry old man because the whole town thinks he murdered his baby. Yeah. And he knows it's this giant pig. He is but out he, for fucking blood. But he hasn't been able to find it. He's been killing lots of pigs. Every pig he sees. But he hasn't found this one razorback. Uh so she sort of is investigating this kangaroo thing and then also There's like a dog dog a pet food thing that's yeah, 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 yeah. And then um these guys that she interacts with, they obviously don't trust her because she's this reporter, and uh, they decide that they are going to rape her. Yes, these men are tremendous pieces of shit. Um, and if you are worried uh, that your experience with Razorback is going to be ruined because of this rape scene, um, it is pretty dark, but they never actually get to that because they're interrupted by the Razorback. Yes, the Dark Avenger of the Razorback. Who uh, first attacks them? So you're like, oh, maybe the Razorback's not so bad. And then it seems as if the Razorback eats her. Yes. Which side note is that a thing feral pigs do? Eat yes. people. Yes. Yes. I'm I gonna tell. No br- I'm gonna tell a brief anecdote right now. Um, when I was a child, um, my best friend, when I was ten or eleven, moved down to Athens, Georgia, or um, a little a little development outside of Athens, Georgia, which is in the Piedmont, like the the foothills of the Appalachian Mount Appalachian Mountains. Um, and his family had like, there was like this plot of land, like this huge plot of land, like, like a hundred acres or like that. And there was one road that led in and then these driveways would open off the plot of land or this, this main road. And then each house would have like 10 acres or like that. And then it was like surrounded by woods and, um, they had a fence around their yard. And when we got there, and again, this is all like newly developed territory in, in, in Georgia, I mean, not like Georgia's this wilderness, but it's like it was like territory that had been previously like just woods, and um, everyone, the people I was staying with, they were like freshly moving moved down from the north. So their neighbor was this like grizzled southern guy named Travis, and um, I remember we were we were like you know doing like stupid little kid shit on the road, and he comes down and he's like, "See now I can't do like a southern accent because I was doing the Australian accent." Kids better get home. There we go. Kids better get on home now. These pigs are going to come out at night. They'll eat your feet. A grown man told me and my friends that if we didn't go home, pigs were going to come out of the woods and eat our feet. So we're like, all right. So we go back to my friend Matt's house, and his dad goes to talk to Travis, rightfully so, because this man had just told us that pigs were going to devour our feet. And he was right. There are feral pigs, like wild boars, in the American South um, and I guess they do, if given the chance, they will go after people. You've seen Hannibal. Gary, Gary Oldman, he trains pigs to eat. No, I, here's the thing. There's a difference between, I understand that kept pigs can be fed human remains yes. as well as anything else, and they'll just eat it. I just didn't realize that wild pigs would consume a person. They're wild. Liam, they don't live, they're not like us. We live by laws. Well, you do, I don't. 
They're more like me. You They'll know, eat anything. Uh, lots of wild animals don't eat humans. Mm. Oh my god! Pigs it doesn't are... matter. It doesn't matter. The movie's not realistic. We're not Let's... dealing with your run-of-the-mill Wilbur the pig from Charlotte's Web. Let, let me just wrap up this whole plot thing because in this moment we see what is the central conflict of this movie in that we have two plots going on. One is that there are these local dudes who run a dog food factory who are also weirdly fucking criminals. Yeah. And uh, when the reporter woman's husband comes to find out what happened to her, he's now obviously in some sort of uh, conflict with these gentlemen but he doesn't let them know who he is and all this stuff it's, so there's a whole subplot with that meanwhile old dude is also trying to get this Razorback still, still has a blood oath to kill the Razorback and then their stories kind of combine um, and this is to me why the movie in some ways doesn't really work but we'll get to that so um, uh, these things are kind of working themselves out he is uh, trying to get these guys who he suspects did something to his wife but then there's also the razorback aspect he also pretty immediately starts to kind of have a flirtatious relationship with it's very this pig researcher this this, yeah there's there's a lot going on with this movie so i'm gonna be when i first saw the title razorback and if i were to say we watched a movie in our animal horror episode called razorback you would think it would be pretty straightforward like the ba- like this movie could have just been about this guy Jake hunting this pig. Sure, could have been Jaws on land instead of Quint. We got Jake. They're both equally crazy. Whatever. They're both Ahab. They're men on a mission to fucking conquer nature and 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 bring it to heel. This movie does not do that. This movie could have been. This movie could have been called uh, Outback or something like that. That just described the savageness of the Australian Outback, and it still would have worked. Like, the only reason I think this movie is sort of, like, lumped in with Animal Heart is because the title is called Razorback. But, like, there's a lot of other shit going on in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the Razorback is present in the sense of it's a danger. It is a way for the community to kind of come together and we see them become, like, a mob to go after this pig. It does wreak some havoc. Oh, there you but, yeah. But, I mean, you know, it, here's the thing about this movie. Again, the Jaws curse. They built a full-sized, fully animatronic model Razorback at the cost of $250,000. This is a big chunk of this movie's whole budget. And this fucking Razorback is on screen for a total of five minutes. If that. Maybe six minutes. Maybe. Um, It's just not a big part of the movie. And instead, a lot of the movie is these... Uh, fucked up degenerates and bogans. I think is the term. I was looking into it. Is the term for like, um, Australian hillbillies? Like we have like hillbillies sure, sure, and sure, like sure, 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 rednecks. Sure, sure. They have bogans, like 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 crocodile, crocodile Dundee, but not like wistful. Yeah, and um, and so there's this kind of again, if you've seen Wake and Fright, this is so similar to Wake and Fright. Only there's no Donald Pleasance to be the devil. So uh, uh, have we brought up the term exploitation yet? Yeah. So this is definitely an exploitation okay. film. Not every exploitation film, though, is so. Um, I mean, here's the thing: if you're watching this film as an Australian, my guess is you're gonna be offended. <laughs> no, my guess is you don't see the boat. Like, okay, if you are an American and you're watching Deliverance. You're not like, well, there it is, America. Like you, <laughs> you're, you're thinking like, 
You're thinking like this is one group of people. What's wrong with these people? You're thinking about this one area of people. But as an American watching this movie, the movie feels self-hating, which is like what you would think about Wake and Fright, except for the guy who made Wake and Fright is not actually Australian. Yeah. And it's like is sort of like negative on Australia in a lot of ways, inspired partly by his reaction to the kangaroo hunt. Uh, in the same way, this movie doesn't seem very pro-Australia, but it is made by an Australian, and so maybe it's sort of self-reflective, whatever, whatever. Um, or maybe it is really just about people who live in this part of Australia, which is like the desolate backwoods. The post-apocalyptic, there, like weird nothing industrial. Is, nothing is paved. Everything is dirt. There's flies everywhere. Emus running down the street. Fucking With emus. no regard for our laws. Fucking emu just running around for no reason. Anyways, um, so there's that whole aspect going on. And then there's also su- supposedly this giant feral pig, which is indestructible in every way. Um and that's supposed to be part of the film too. And uh, uh, let's back up a little bit. The style of this movie. I don't know if, how many people listening have seen Highlander. There are good aspects of this movie that remind me of Highlander. Like it's it's telling a straightforward narrative, but some of the camera style is interpretive. Some of the angles are very artsy. I, I thought the the use of the industrial setting and a yeah. lot of the, there's a lot of strobe lights going on in this. Yeah, movie well, and everything is fucking lit. The thing about Highlander, oh my god, the weird lighting. The thing about Highlander is like all the modern parts of Highlander seem to happen at night, but all of the city is illuminated. Like nothing is dark in Highlander, but nothing is ever fully lit up in the modern part. In yes. of course, in the in the old flashbacks, it's like normal life, but. Uh, all the so the same thing with Razorback. Like every nighttime scene, there's just a fucking light. Where's that light? Come, is that the it, moon? What, what the fuck it, is yeah. that? What is it? like? It's so it's this, but it creates a, like a dreamlike feel. And there is a scene where the one character is like wandering through the desert. And he's dehydrated and he's going crazy. And I remember watching that scene and I was like, oh, please let this movie go. Please let the rest of the movie be like this. There's like scenes where there's like, um. He's like hallucinating, and it looks like the 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 tall man's realm from Phantasm because the sky's all red and the clouds are racing, and there's like fucking pig skeletons erupting out of the ground, and it's just like, oh, please let this be where this movie's going, and it is, and which is unfortunate, but it's well, it 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 starts, it has so much style, it has so much style, and so much um, artistic sort of. Uh, I mean, the guy directs music videos, so yeah. it feels like that the way it's shot. Um, I think the problem is with the the story, and 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 I don't want to say therefore the script because I haven't read the fucking script. So maybe there's changes he made. Maybe there's things on set. Like I don't want to say the I'm, script I'm like curious that. What the book is like that this is based on? Sure, but it's what happens is there's a lot of momentum to the film that is powered by some of these things where the environment is weird and the characters are weird or whatever. But the film seems to rely on that at a point where it should start to rely on the terror of the giant pig. Yeah, yeah. And by the end, it's not clear if we're supposed to be more concerned with the pig or more concerned with the bogans. Bogans, yeah. <laughs> bogans. I mean, there, there, there is a part, the, the, like the, la- the third act of this movie where I was like kind of like, Oh yeah, there's this is Razorback. He's supposed to be hunting up pig, you know, because like he's just he's going after these people he thinks have killed his wife, and it, it becomes sort of like a like a um, almost like Deliverance, like a revenge style. It, thing. it is it is in, in a very real way a revenge film that just happens to have a giant pig. Because this guy thinks these people have killed his wife, like yeah. you know, 
he doesn't understand that the Razorback killed his wife. He thinks it, so. There's this is it, it gets like I don't. It would be good. I, again, it would be. It would. I would say it was like a cool, like ballsy move for a movie to make if it was intentional. But I don't think it was intentional for the to take the focus away from the giant pig, and it was just instead about this guy like getting revenge on these two people that he thinks killed his wife. Well, it just loses momentum, and it doesn't help yeah. that it doesn't help that our main. I mean, it's never clear who the main character is, but our hero, our protagonist towards the end of the movie is this American guy. Because you think it's going to be Jake, and then he dies. Well, and this American gentleman who is the husband to the journalist lady is the least charismatic. I mean, here's the thing about the acting in this film. Not all of it is good, but all of it is energetic and charismatic, except for this dude who's our main dude who we're supposed to be connecting with and like identifying with. He's a fucking flat point. Human plate of vanilla ice cream. The whole goddamn movie. Meanwhile, everyone else is doing their Mad Max Australian, yes. oh, blah, 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 like just fucking out of control. That's the impression of an Australian person. <laughs> yeah, if you're from Australia and you're listening to this, you... Uh, drool out of every orifice of your body and you're covered in flies no 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 i mean they're 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 playing something that is maybe a offensive stereotype i don't fucking know but they're but, sinister they're bringing something this guy yeah or the side characters i mean everyone in the bar is a fucking caricature it was like the scene in american world from london where they were yes. it was like like but that in australia so like even jake he's stoic and he's not overacting but he's playing a role with a certain sort of intensity yeah uh and meanwhile the dude and then the other character who she's doing a little bit more but the, it relies on her a lot is this scientist who studies the pigs She's also not enough to pull you in. Between no. the two of them, you spend a lot of the latter part of the movie uh, with them, and they don't bring much to the table. They don't, because once Jake is gone, and that, like, that, we don't believe in spoiler alerts here. <laughs> Jake's dead. Um, Jake dies. Jake dies. Um, not at the end, either. I would say about halfway through the movie. Uh, it's a little more than halfway, but it's before you think he's going to yeah. die. So the movie stops being about his quest to avenge his grandson and, you know, I, I'm assuming cut the Razorback's head off and drag it into town and be like, look, this is what killed my grandson. Believe me now, your worship. That's what they call judges in Australia, your worship. The movie stops being about Jake, so it stops focusing on this, like, you know, this, like, heartbroken, sympathetic Ahab character, and it switches to this fucking guy who's just like... Oh, my wife, the Bogans, the Bogans got her. And it's just, it's, 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 it falls apart at the end is what I'm trying to say. This movie needed a fucking, um, uh, it needed a Bill Pullman or a Paul Reiser. Yes. It needed someone who could play, um, vulnerable who becomes less vulnerable. Cause that's what the character is. It's like, I'm so scared, but I'm going to get tough by the end. And he doesn't. But can do it endearingly, and this dude, he's not charming at any point. He's not endearing at any point. I mean, I don't want to make it out like he's the worst ever, but his blandness just sticks out like a sore thumb in a movie where everyone else is like, they know what movie they're in. They're in a they're in fucking Razorback. They're in Razorback. You get your shit together, man. This is Razorback. I mean, so I mean, that's the thing is, I, I, and let's back this up a little bit. We're coming at Razorback kind of hard. If we had paired Razorback with another film. Pigs, which we're doing. Right. Well, I've never seen Pigs, so I don't know if it's good. Neither have I. But 
if we had paired Razorback with any number of other animal attack movies, we might be praising Razorback and fucking attacking. Oh, the I hope movie. not. I hope this is the worst. I hope this is as bad. No, as it see, I, I, this is where I think I'm going to disagree. I actually think overall Razorback is pretty good. The problem is that we watched it after Alligator, and what Alligator exceeds in is economy of storytelling. There's nothing in Alligator that shouldn't be an alligator. Yes, that Chekhov's gun is in full effect. In it, it, it doesn't make it a perfect movie in any way, but it's like, it is what it is and it works really well. Razorback is a lot of accoutrement. Yes. There's a lot of excess bells and whistles. There's a lot of e- extra flavoring and it makes it fun in some ways at first, but by the end it loses something. Um, but does that make it bad? I don't think so. I think for me and my experience, it was just, it was like going from something that's well executed to something that is a mess of a movie but there are things about it that are good it's not like uh some of the trash that you get in other animal attack movies yeah i mean also like i do think the first i'll be generous and say first two-thirds of this movie are coherent unexpected um but fun but that last act for me just it just fell apart and it was like it was like they just they just slogged through this last act that was sort of this weird revenge fantasy deliverance style movie. And then it, it was like, it, it seriously felt like the director was like, oh shit, um, we spent a quarter of a million dollars on this fucking pig. Make it attack him. And then like he fought the pig and that's how they barely tied it all together in the end. Yeah, it doesn't. And I hate to say it because like I said, there's other aspects of the film I really enjoyed prior to that, but by the end of the movie, it just felt tedious, and that's not what you want. I also just want to go out on the limb and say I apologize if Bogan actually is some kind of racial slur, because I, I don't know. I don't know if we're allowed to say that. So, Yo, if, what if you brought some wild problematic language onto her? That's what I'm afraid of. So I apologize. We're so, it, it, it's funny, because I don't think of myself as wild ignorant when it comes to other countries, but I really am. We're Americans. By definition, we're wildly ignorant. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so if we shit on your favorite movie, Razorback, sorry. If we said offensive things about Australians, sorry. I, I do want to say that um, this movie was um, wildly critically panned. Yeah. Um, and it like I, I love the fact that it has the same. They use the head from this in the third Howling movie. Um, but one reviewer, um, a guy named Clint Morris of Movie Hole, are you ready for this? Said it was Jaws with a wiggly tail, ferocious and fun, which is the worst movie review I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, the, the character that we don't love, Carl, um, the director originally considered Jeff Bridges for that role. That would have been a disaster, I think. I can't decide. It, it, it might have been better than this asshole. Yeah, only because Jeff Bridges can actually act. But Jeff Bridges, he couldn't bring like that, like, um, like a character who starts off like sort of weak and afraid and just toughens up at the end. Jamie Lee Curtis would have been perfect for this role. But regardless, Gregory Harrison is the guy who played um, Carl. He's bad. He's very bad. Uh, or at at minimum, he just doesn't know what movie he's in. He's not acting for this movie. Well, he's to be fair, I also I also don't think that um, Russell Mulcahy knows what movie he's in. Because again, this movie's a fucking mess for the for the, at the end. Hmm. I think I enjoyed it more than you did, but I will agree that the end 
does not serve the movie. Um, but I, I will say this. If you're a Highlander completist, which they exist, apparently. Yeah. I mean, they have to, right? That show was on the TV for yes. fucking ever. Christopher Lambert. Um, if you are a Highlander completist, I do think it's, this would be worth watching. I think there are aspects of his style that I'm are so, present the, there. The Kurgan at no point makes an appearance. So if you're... True. Just be True. prepared. But does the Razorback have the quickening? Yes. Possibly. When you chop its head off, um, there can be only one Razorback. Yeah, apparently. It eats other pigs. They establish that, right? Like it eats smaller pigs? Yeah, I did. Let's just go with that. It's whatever. We barely see the fucking thing. It's I know. Even there's one part where we finally see the thing during the day, and it hides behind a, like, a water thing the whole time. You just other see pi- like it's... Uh, it hides behind other pigs at one point. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, just don't fuck with Razorback. I don't think you should. I, I, I'm going to disagree with Justin. I think if you are someone who likes movies that are messy, that are uh, ambitious, but maybe don't quite succeed, you might enjoy Razorback. Yes. I'll, I know I'll, there are people who love this movie, so I'm, that's why I'm, I'm who trying Who do to, you know who loves this movie? Uh, Sam Deegan loves this movie. Interesting. She Shout got very please. bummed when I said I didn't, I didn't love it. Really? But, uh, you know... It's one of those things where I, I don't think, I think, she, well, maybe she doesn't, but maybe she understands that, like, um, she has an affection. You know, there's things, like, if someone says to me, I hate Dune. I would kill that person. Oh, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. If you hate uh, David Lynch's Dune, I'm okay with you, but I disagree. It's the worst day of my entire life right now. I cannot. Be- because I admitted I wouldn't murder someone who hates Dune. Anyway. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks. So those, are the, I guess, is the beginning. What is our next? What's the next part of our? So next maybe one, people can actually watch the movies ahead of time. The next one, we never announced. We should probably start announcing what yeah, our next movie. Well, I are. do. I do on Instagram and I on Twitter. I mean, on the show. Though. Oh, on the show. The next one we're going to be doing. We're going to begin is uh, we're going to be recording on Ju- uh, July twenty fourth. We're going to be doing Orca and Piranha, and then that night we're going to be appearing on our sister podcast, The Final Girls. We're going to be talking about Deep Blue Sea and Piranha Double D. I thought it was Triple D. Triple D? Because it's in 3D. It's in 3D, yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be a Night of per- night of the Piranhas, we'll call it. We'll call it that. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to be watching. So if you want to get it, if you want to get caught up and ready and be on board with the true hard business team, you should watch Orca, which I can assure you is... I haven't seen it since I was a little kid, but... Um, is fucking brutal. And like I said, friend of the podcast, Sarah Gore, can testify to that. Um, and then Piranha, which I'm not sure if I've ever seen, but I will see it. So watch Orca and Piranha, Aquatic Horror, The Next Evolution. <laughs> You're such a nerd. I do what I can. Hey, uh, thanks for listening. Um, thanks to everyone on the Cinepunks team for their support. Thanks yes. again to uh, uh, LVAC. Um, is there anyone else? Thanks to everyone who supported us on Patreon. Yes, check thanks. out the Patreon. Um, thanks to Mike Smackzillo. He's doing a shirt design as we speak, so the day is at hand. Mikey Smack. Day of reckoning is at hand. Mikey Smack is bringing you a horror business shirt, so thank you, Mikey Smack. Um, thank you to Nick Spacek. I was on there last night to talk about the Terminator score. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I'm speaking to him tomorrow. What are you gonna be? What are you gonna be talking about? Oh, the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack cool very cool. <laughs> i mentioned it to him sort of as a joke and he was like 
no, let's do that. That's a great soundtrack. I was like, yeah. I I think I scared Nick yesterday. <laughs> Why? Come on, Liam. You know, it's just like, Justin, why'd you like the Terminator movies? Well, you see, it's a synthesis of the warmth of man and the sterility of machines, and Brafidel's soundtrack just combines them perfectly. And the, like, I literally said shit like that. Oh, like a lot of shit like that. So anyway, thank thanks you, for listening. Thanks to you for listening. Go check out www.cinepunks.com for more episodes of Horror Business and lots of other great podcasts. Support us on Patreon. Um, give us a five-star review on iTunes and email me with your address, and I'll send you some cool free shit. Uh, rate, re- rate, review, subscribe. Download, 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 and thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening, because unlike everything else in life, we love you back. Okay, bye.